It's the first episode of April. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to a new month. Are you excited? We are in the fourth month of 2021. Thank the Lord. It is moving along just so nicely, so smoothly. Uh, Tomorrow or this episode will air just right before Easter. So happy Easter or happy early Easter. Or if you are celebrating or if you're off or any of those things, just want to wish you all a very happy Easter. And I'm so glad that you tuned in and you're rejoining a conversation that we we started last week in the Christian space. Well, my name is Nash, and uh, I'm really excited to be the host of this podcast here, the URC space, where we are intentionally unboxing our lives one blank space at a time. And like I said, we are continuing our conversation in the Christian space. We are talking about being frustrated and faithing it. And in part two today, we're going to be wrapping it up, bringing it home. And I really hope that many of you enjoyed this conversation. I see that it is the most played episode in the last three weeks. So it seems to have been uh, getting a lot of chitter chatter. And I got a lot of feedback from many of you who tuned in. And I want to thank you for just sharing your hearts, being transparent, being open and candid and just letting me know like, yeah, you know, Nash, when you said Christian, like I was like, uh, I don't know about all this. And when I actually listened and tuned in, I was like, oh, you know, it it, kind of gave a different perspective. So I just want to thank you for trusting me here in the Christian space. And I'm hoping in our continued conversation today, we will be able to keep that trust going. Are you ready? So, you know, here in the Christian space, we're talking about having doubts, having questions and having second guesses. And with, you know, Christianity, again, you know, like I am not coming from a perspective of not wanting to force, push in any of that onto anyone who is listening. You know, we're just having a conversation. And last week we talked about John Steingard, who was the former lead singer of the Christian rock group Hawk Nelson. He also was the the former main songwriter for the group. And he had shared, you know, a, Uh, Yeah, we're in April now. So almost uh, it was in May of 2020. So almost a year ago, he had shared how, you know, he had just had been having this this dissonance, this uh, conflict in himself, questions and wanting to know things and and not really understanding, you know, uh, well, if this is this and why is that? And he came to an awakening moment where he just realized that he just no longer believed in faith. He no longer believed in, in God. And he said that was really hard. And I think we as Christians put people in a precarious situation when we're not allowing the questioning and the reasoning and the doubting and all of that to be, you know, given the green light. Like, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to second guess. It's okay for all of those things. Because when you think about it, the concept of believing in something that you cannot see is very hard. And I think we do it to some extent every day. Like, you know, we can't see the CO2 going out of our bodies or the carbon dioxide going out of our bodies and the oxygen coming in. But, you know, it's one of those things we can't see it, but we know that it's there. But when we're having conversations about faith, which is something that is multi-level, multi-dimensional, you know, that brings just a whole floodgate of questions that need answers before anyone can move forward with saying that they're all in. And I completely get where John's coming from and, and his statement. And I share it with you, you know, many times here on the show, we had, we talked about it where I have wrestled with my own questions and my own doubts with, when it comes to, you know, faith in God and Christianity. And as I've gotten older, many of the questions and tests and challenges that I, that I've had as it relates to the Christian faith, it really, a lot of them came up when I was in the peak of my career of working on ships and, and just being, just seeing different things and being exposed to different things, which I am talking about 
about in the book. Don't worry, you're going to get a full 100% all access backstage pass to the different questions and different times when, you know, certain things just rose up in me. The book will be coming out soon. And that's all I can say is soon. <laughs> so stay tuned. Once I once I have a date set and so on, I'll let you know. But when we're looking at Christianity and we're looking at the message of Christianity, it's it's very simple to me. You know, the basis of, of Christianity is all roads to God are through Jesus. And he is God, you know, who came here in human form. He lived as such. He was tempted in every way. And he offered in exchange for following him eternal life with God, the father. Like, that's it. He offered it. So, again, I said offered, not forced. Uh, it's a personal decision. It's not a public mandate. And, you know, this is something that someone picks for themselves, you know, like the way you pick the kind of car you want to drive or what you want to eat for lunch or, you know, what kind of bed you're going to sleep in. That is a personal decision that you make for yourself. There's a lot of people out here who will tell you or influencers that you should eat this for, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, or you should sleep in this kind of a bed or you should drive this kind of a car. But at the end of the day, it's your personal decision. But everything is presented before you to consider. And I see Christianity as that as well. You know, it is not something where you are forced. And I don't and Jesus was never known to be someone to force people to do anything. It was just an open decision. And, you know, that just seems very simple, right? You know, OK, all roads lead to me. This is what I'm presenting before you. So how does something so simple become so complicated and how did it get so complicated? There's a quote that I read from Mahatma Gandhi. You you know Gandhi from India. He was uh, one of the, the you know the leaders of nonviolent restorative justice uh, who inspired, you know, the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and he said this quote which is just very profound and he said, "I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ." Wow. I mean, we got somebody who is not even a Christian from the outside looking in. He's like, oh, everything Jesus is saying or everything Jesus is about, I'm totally for. But everyone else who's kind of joined the party saying that they're also following him, I don't think that they've got the correlation correct. Something is just a little bit off. And, you know, I think for me, when I look at it and really just taking a step back, uh, for me, it just seems like, you know, we have gotten the word when I say we I'm talking as Christians as a whole collectively, we have gotten the word love so out of its definition, so out of its perspective, and we are just not doing it well. You know, Jesus gave us just a very, you know, basic commandment of just loving one another, you know, in John 13 verses 34 through 35, he says, you know, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you so that you too should love one another. By this, all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. So again, something so simple. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Sierra not too long ago, and we were having a conversation just about life and how many people can just complicate life because it it just seems like it needs to be complicated. And some people simplify it because simplifying can be 
you know, the thing that people see needs to be the, the focus. I was just kind of taken aback by like her perspective on like, wow, people can just make things that are complicated, so simple, and people can make things that are so simple, so complicated. And I don't know what that what that's all about. I'm just speaking from my own heart and from what I've absorbed. But, you know, I think, you know, man has their ploys for mind control and personal gains. And even if I dare say manipulation, uh, which can really turn into us elevating the lives of or the life of a man or a person over that of God. And that is when things get really weird because then we're celebrating the creation over the creator and we're making idols and it's just it gets really complicated and the funny thing is last night i was watching a documentary i i, I really love watching documentaries all kinds shapes sizes volumes genre like i love documentaries and I was watching a documentary last night on Jonestown, which if you're not familiar with uh, Jim, Jim Jones and Jonestown and what happened down in Guyana, this happened in the late 70s, uh, 1978, 79, I do believe. I would say he started as a Christian, right? I mean, you know, the Bible, the, the people's the people's temple, I think is what their affiliation was, or he was using the Bible or parts of the Bible it's, it's to some degree. And they were based out of Southern California, uh, which is on the West Coast of the, of the U.S. for my international friends listening. And they, you know, he was able to convince all of those who were in his congregation who were following him to move to Guyana. And they moved to Guyana right outside of the capital city. The capital city there is Georgetown. They built Jonestown. And, you know, they were all kind of, you know, they gave up their life savings and, you know, whatever else they had. And they moved down there and they were, quote unquote, happy. They kept following Jim Jones and what he was saying. And, you know, it got to the point to where Jim was like, OK, you know, we're going to go be in heaven. You know, in order for us to be in heaven, you know, we got to drink this drink. And, you know, they put the poison in this Kool-Aid and they all drunk it and they all died. And it was this huge mass uh, murder suicide. You know, it was all over the news, you know, back then. And still, you know, people are talking about it today here. You know, we're talking about it here on the show. And I'll leave a link to the documentary that I was watching if you want to know a little bit more about Jonestown and all of that. But I was I was watching that like, wow, you know, like here's something so simple, right? You know, Jesus says, love one another. And now we have a man who is, you know, saying, okay, not don't just love one another, but you need to follow me and give me your money and drink this Kool-Aid with this poison in it. You know, like how does something so simple just get, become so complicated? And, you know, it goes back to the whole thing of what Gandhi had said, you know, like your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And there is a very simple thing about Jesus and there's a very relational thing about Jesus. I think, you know, when people can just read without the commentary and the barking and the noise from what, uh, you know, man wants to add into it when people see it for themselves and I, it, it convicts me to simply just meet people where they are. And I have been challenged in this area for like, Oh, maybe the last like six, five or six weeks. Uh, I, I've just had some relationships in my life where I've uh, some revealed information has just come out and uh, information that I didn't know before and information that was very shocking or shocking in the sense like I, I didn't know, you know, certain things. And I've had to position myself to really love well. And that's one thing that I'm thriving to do is just continuing to just love well and meet people where they are. And I think, you know, in the whole Christendom and in the Christian world, you know, we have a really bad habit of being very judgmental, very critical, very Pharisee like. And like like I said on the show, I used to be <laughs> I used to be just like that. And 
I still have the propensity to be like that. I, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm beyond that. You know, I have to look in the mirror before I talk to anybody else to remind myself of the things that I struggle with, the things that I'm going through, the things that I wish weren't a part of my life or a part of my story or things that I just, you know, I would, I don't want people to know, you know, and, and, and it gives me the grace to meet people where they are. And, you know, I love this parable that Jesus told in Matthew 21, when he was telling the story of the two sons and, uh, you know, in the message translation, he says, you know, Jesus said, tell me what you think of this story. And he was talking to the religious people, you know, a man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. The son answered, I don't want to. Later on, he thought better of it. And then he went. And then the father gave the same command to the second son. And he answered, sure, glad to, glad to go. But then he never went. Jesus asked him, you know, so which of the two sons did what the father asked? And they said the first. And Jesus said, yes. And I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. John the Baptist came to you showing you the right road. You turned your noses at him, but the crooks and the whores believed him. Even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. And, you know, when I talk about that, that critical and judgmental, you know, like here, Jesus is talking about crooks and whores. He's like, some of these crooks and whores who actually believed, they're, they're the ones that are going to beat you into the, king, into the kingdom of God because, you know, you have made it such a, a, a point to be just very unlike me, <laughs> you know, and not love people. And, you know, I was talking to my Yami. Yami is the, the, the term I use for my other mother, Yam, your other mother, Yami your other mommy. Uh, so I was talking to my Yami and she and I were having a conversation about, you know, just, you know, criticalness and, and people just being judgmental. And, and she had said something so profound. She said, you know, people forget that when they have conversations, they need to allow people to sit on the grace couch. And I was like, Ooh, I like that one. I'm using that. <laughs> the grace couch is where, you know, we, we again, like I was saying, you know, I look in the mirror before I talk to anybody else because I don't have it together. I'm hoping to have it together, but I don't have it together. And it's very easy for us to point out what's, what's wrong with someone else before we can really point out what's wrong with us. And when we realize that we're just as flawed, we're just as imperfect as every as every other person, it really brings a different perspective to how you engage and love one another. So where does this leave us, right? So we got questioning faith, uh, don't know, you know, any of this. And the reason why I'm talking about the critical and the judgmentalness is because the behaviors of a lot of what I saw in Christianity and in the Christian faith is what brought me to having a lot of the questions and doubts that I had. John's story last week was a little bit more on, on the theology of, of Christianity and interpretation of scripture. And if this was imperfect, that means that this wasn't perfect. So that's where his basis was in mind. And all of our questions come from different roots or, or triggers, if I can use that word here. But I think, you know, it comes down to us not mixing religion for relationship, right? Like, you know, people feeling like they need to go to church every Sunday and, you know, oh, if I don't go to church every Sunday or if I'm not in Bible study every week, then I'm not a Christian or I'm not a good Christian. And we get caught up in this religious system and, you know, that whole religious system that can really be manipulated by man. And that's why I said manipulation earlier, because, 
you look at that whole James or excuse me, Jonestown uh, situation that went down with Jim Jones, like that was complete manipulation and people went along with it and they fell for it. And so like when, when thinking about this, you know, I think of another story of my in, in my dating history uh, where I was dating this one girl. And uh, I mean, really, like just a great girl. She's uh, also a Christian. She traveled around the world, uh, very worldly, very knowledgeable about things. And it was funny because we got on this conversation about church very early on and i had um she had said that she was really missing her church and she hadn't been for a few weeks because she was sick and she didn't want to be exposed or she didn't want to expose people to you know her sickness or whatever and i said oh okay cool and what i told her was you know yeah you know take all the time you need to get well but your your right standing with god is not based off of your church attendance this isn't like a check mark kind of a thing and she was like what and i was like yeah and then then i just went to kind of full disclosure i was like well you know i've been a Christian all my life, but I have not been into a physical church building with regular attendance for years. And she had said that, uh, and she was like, oh, like, well, why is that? And then that was, on, oh, well, I used to work on a cruise ship and I traveled the world and, and all of this. And so um, even on Sundays, you know, I didn't always have time to, you know, go into a church in whatever city or whatever, wherever I was because I was working. And then I went on to say, um, you know, and my relationship with God is still intact. And I still believe that, you know, he loves me very much. And I love him very much, but I don't I do not attach my attendance to a church with my you know validity of being a Christian. And she was like, that's blasphemy. There's no way that you can say that. Like, you know, and, you know, we didn't talk anymore. Great, because that's not a person I want to be with anyway. But she was just very taken aback by, like, how I was saying that. And perhaps in a dating situation, that probably came off too strong. But what I want to say here with our conversation is simply, you know, we don't need to get so caught up into the legalism of, of doing this and doing that. And did I do this right? And did I do that right? You know, it's it's all about building a relationship for yourself. And I think that happens when we can just open the Bible start a relationship that is influenced solely by our own desire and our own personal choice and decision. Just like I said, like how you shop for a bed or for a car or for something to eat, you make that personal decision. And that's a personal decision between you and God. And I think even in that with going to church, we always have to be able to check what man says to what the Bible says, because there are some things that even my pastor is saying, you know, I believe that, you know, we need to do this. We need to do that. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't think that. Nope, that doesn't line up to what's in scripture. So I'm not going to go along with that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, Christian does not always mean pure. It doesn't always mean holy. It doesn't always mean saved. It doesn't always mean uh, immune from whatever everyone else struggles and deals with. So let's look at a few examples of what I mean here. So Jerry Falwell Jr., who is uh, the former president of Liberty University, which is the largest Christian university in the world based out of Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, but they have a huge online presence. So, you know, they're, I mean, students all over the place. You know, he and his wife got caught up in uh, a very interesting situation with their pool boy, allegedly. And there was some alleged cuckold uh, situation going on between the three of them and some alleged hush money and blackmailing and, you know, just a whole bunch of just craziness. Right. Something that you see like in a Hollywood movie. And then you got uh, Pastor Carl Lentz, who allegedly had an affair you know, on his wife and cheated on his wife. And he's married. and He's a pastor. Hillsong, New York. You know, he's Justin Bieber's pastor. He baptized Justin Bieber and, you know, that basketball player's bathtub. Just like a couple of weeks ago, gospel singer and Grammy Award winner Kurt Franklin was, you know, if there was a video leaked of him cussing out his son on uh, on the phone. 
And, you know, gospel singer James Fortune, you know, he went down uh, oh, allegedly for Kurt Franklin and allegedly gospel singer James Fortune was beating his wife and he was a wife beater. And allegedly Leandria Johnson, who also is a Grammy award winning gospel singer, you know, alcoholic, you know, children out of wedlock, allegedly, you know, so I mean, so there are all of these things that have happened to very prominent Christians, right? And when the world sees that it it makes me cringe a, a bit because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is all people know Christians to be, you know, we say one thing, but then we live something else. And I think when we can get on that grace couch that Yami was talking about, and we can look at ourselves in the mirror before we want to have a conversation with someone or even, you know, try to tell them anything about Jesus, it will bring just a, a different humility to each and every one of us. And I love what the lead singer of Skillet and one of the founding members of Skillet, which is a very well-known around the world band, uh, John Cooper, this is what he had to say. He said, my conclusion for the church, all of us Christians, is we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people, the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, that includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years and seem probably quite judgmental to some of my peers that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. And that's what happened with, Je with you know, with, with Jonestown, you know, they weren't in the word for themselves. They were going by what a man was saying. And then, you know, there was, this, you know, you, you get led astray. Does it hurt when, you know, when man does not show Christianity and God in a good light? Of course it does. And it does make me cringe. Uh, but I think, you know, what I've learned in my own questioning and in my own doubts with my faith is that if my relationship of my a true one with God is really intact, it will overrule whatever the latest displays of, you know, whatever Christian this week wants to publicly fall. That frustration that I have, it will help put that somewhere, you know, else and quiet that noise, which, you know, and, and I think if we don't quiet that noise, then it will potentially lead us to having more frustration. It is hard, even as a Christian, uh, seeing many publicly fall from grace. But the one thing that I can say at the end of the day, when I look at myself in the mirror before I talk to someone else, is I say, God, I thank you that I am not as public as as a number of these individuals who have fallen publicly or who are under public scrutiny or the public eye. And, you know, we just got to just thank God that our struggles aren't public, right? Because God is always dealing with the heart. And as John said, John Steingard, the former lead singer of Hog Nelson last week, you know, I read his quote. He said, you know, humans are flawed and imperfect, but I'm going to say that God is not. And when we really open ourselves to just consider God and and have our own pursuit and our own relationship with him, you know, he has an amazing life in store. And that is one that we can just fully embrace. You know, there was a lot that was said today. There was a lot that we unboxed. And I hope it wasn't too much coming at you. If it was too much to bite off the chew, I hope you'll go back and you'll replay it and, and listen again. And, you know, if you're feeling a flood of questions coming to you about our chat today or something was said or discussed or pulling on your heart and you want to speak with someone about what faith in Jesus would look like uh, to those both who are in and out of the faith. I want you to reach out to my friends over at the Hope Line. I'm going to leave their information in the unbox goods section of today's episode description. Ooh, okay, so we all take a deep breath together. Now, I have a question for you. Are you a fan of Will Smith? 
Did you grow up watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Well, next week, we're going to be entering the reconciliation space, and we're going to be talking about what I would deem probably one of the most powerful moments in HBO history that involved none other than the Willennium himself from West Philadelphia. I hope you'll join me then, and if you're enjoying this show, would you mind to share it with a friend and leave a review for me there on Apple Podcasts? Leave your brother five stars. And if you're on the gram, let's get connected there. I would love to join. I would love for you to join me for the off air conversations that I have on Instagram. You can find me at Nash Speaks Live, which speaking of, I'm stepping away from it just a little bit. There is so much going on right now between this book, this podcast and like three other things on the burner that I can't talk about right now. But there's so much happening that um, I am going to I'm just I'm reshifting my focus onto a number of different things. So I'm not walking away from Instagram. If you guys know, oh, he was on there every day. Now he's like, where is he? I am just making sure that I'm focusing my energy on what's before me. And I still will be engaged on Instagram. So hopefully you will join me there. But until we resume our conversations, I want you to remember to keep unboxing your life one blank space at a time, living undaunted, knowing you're unbreakable, and embracing the reality that you're simply a treasure that's unfinished because you have been redeemed, restored, and reclaimed. That is a definite fact. Life is always best lived outside the box. Stay free, my friend, and I'll chat with you next week.